0: Hey girls, welcome back to another episode of the Go Girl Podcast. Halloween is in a couple of days. I want to encourage all of you to take your mask off. We are wrapping up Domestic Violence Awareness Month and talking about, um, you know, how to heal after abuse. And we've talked about boundaries. We've talked about the red flags and green flags to watch out for when dating someone new and you know, a lot of abusers can wear a mask. So it's about recognizing the real person behind that mask. I'm excited for today's episode because I have Miss Monet Collins in and she talks about how to go from victim to victor. All right. After 11 attempts to leave an abusive relationship, 11 attempts. They say it usually takes seven times before a woman successfully leaves, but it was 11 times for her. Afterwards, she started the Bold Lips Revolution cosmetic line while in a domestic violence shelter. Okay, no excuses. All right, she did this while in a shelter. She gives the proceeds back to women who are suffering in silence. She's now a transformational speaker and the author of You Good Sis. I love that book title, okay? Because she really stresses the importance of checking in with people, checking in on your strong friends, and asking how they're doing, making sure they're good, but also not forgetting to check on yourself. I want you to check up on yourself Mm, right now or after this episode. Look in the mirror and just be like, yo, you good, sis? To my fellas listening, you good, bruh? Check in with yourself. Ever since the pandemic, if someone asks me how I'm doing, I pause like, hmm, how am I doing today? Not really check in. Oh, I'm tired. Or I'm great. Or, you know, "Mm, things could be better, but I'm good overall. Right? So check in with yourself and figure out what you need to feel better if you're not feeling 100%. But in this episode, we discuss how Monet learned to trust her gut. God was speaking to her so many times and we really talk about, you know, listening and being obedient to your spirit and what you hear because when she wasn't, that's when started going kind of left going downhill but when she was obedient she started to flourish all right so trust yourself trust that inner voice we also talk about how to heal after abuse and how she's breaking generational trauma she's raising four daughters and making sure they do the work early on so that they do not attract toxic partners We're all for healing over here. So I love this episode. It's another one where I teared up at the end with her sharing her story. It's beautiful. She's passionate about what she does now. She's definitely helping women. She's sharing her story, letting all of us know that you are not alone. And it's not all about just surviving, but how to really thrive after abuse. And I want to shout out everyone who's been sending me messages saying that these episodes have been resonating with them. I hear you. I see you. And I thank you so much for listening. Be sure to leave five stars and a comment and let me know what you're learning from these episodes, all right? I appreciate you. Now, let's get into some girl talk with Monet Collins. I am so, so, so excited to have my next guest on the Go Girl podcast. Her name is Monet Cullins, and she is a domestic violence survivor, a business owner, an author, and founder of a nonprofit helping to empower and uplift other women. Monet, welcome to the Go Girl podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, beautiful. I appreciate
0: you. I just want to say that uh, we were talking for like 15 minutes off the podcast. We were like, wait, we should start this interview right?" because it, it was just like two women just catching up and just chatting. We started talking about the Lord and uh-huh. how He put some <laughs> things on your heart. And I was like, you know what? It's good that he put it on your heart, but it's better that you listen because a lot of people yeah. do not listen to what God is speaking to them or their intuition or the universe or their source, whatever they want to say, their higher power. They're not listening.
1: Yeah. So we ain't got nerve to wonder why things ain't going yeah. right
0: exactly (laughs) trust yourself trust god and don't try to trust what the world and other people are telling you yeah yeah but i want to ask first you know this is the name of your book as well i want to ask you you good sis
1: sis i'm struggling today okay we we being real. real struggling though from this from the perspective of trying to adjust to all of this i just wrote a book um i'm a mom of four girls um, so when I say struggling, I say it's it's a, it's an adapting. It's adapting to this blessing that God has given me and being able to birth this book. Now, listen, it was a struggle trying to birth this book. Okay. We went through labor pains.
0: I, mm-hmm. I literally
1: wrote this book in nine months. And so it was literally like giving birth to a baby. And so wow. I'm in a season now where I'm just, i still trusting God. And, and you spoke about it just, just a second ago. So I wanted to Kind of go back to it just a little bit. But even when I uh, when I started my shelter, my, my shelter. OK, Lord, I hear you. Um, when I started yes. my cosmetics line <laughs> um, in the domestic violence shelter, that was because I was obedient. When, when I was in my domestic violence relationship, I kept hearing the Lord say, move to Dallas, move to Dallas. And, you know, I'm from Houston and that is our robbery city. We ain't going to Dallas, right. nothing in Dallas for us you know, you come to Houston, you know, it was that type of playful thing. Uh, But it was serious because I was in a domestic violence relationship and the Lord kept trying to provide a way of escape for me to get out of the relationship. But I was too stuck, you know, in my Mm -hmm. own uh, ways and in my own emotions and being so attached and codependent on this this domestic violence relationship. And so I didn't really hear God, you know, I heard him, but I wasn't being obedient. Like we said, you know, that obedience piece will literally change the entire trajectory of your life. And so when I moved to Dallas, in 2016 or 2015, I actually told my people, uh, my family, like, look, 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 y'all, I'm being obedient. The Lord has told me to move. We're moving it out. It's like, OK. And we did this whole going away party. You know, my family celebrated the fact that Monet is being obedient um, and trusting God. And they had no idea that it was a domestic violence part, too, that I was actually running from as well. Um, but that mm-hmm. obedience part and trusting God through my entire process is what literally helped me and, and still helps me to stay focused and, and stay it's my why, you know, I, I have right. other other things that are my why, but I'm reminded that of what I'm doing and the story that I have and what I've experienced, it's not about me. It's about me being obedient and me walking out the calling that God has on my life. And so when we start listening, not only when you're praying and asking God to help you and solve this problem and give you an answer to this and he give it to you and you ignore it like, uh-uh, that ain't what I wanted to hear. That, no, right. yeah. you know, and it's like, okay. And he give it to you again because he gave it to me three years consecutively. Mm-hmm. three years back to back and every single year i would drive up to drive up to dallas because uh my best friend is at the potter's house and i'm like i'm I, no matter what it was bishop would always preach whatever he preached no matter what it was the holy spirit would always say this is where you're supposed to be move to dallas and I, i'm going back i'm going back and so the disobedience is, is yeah. the part where when you say the obedience is better than the sacrifice that I ended up having to deal with things that I necessarily wouldn't have to had I just been obedient. So yep. you said that piece there, sis, and I, I had to touch on it because we have to be obedient to what God is telling us, you know, to 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 your higher power, uh, you know, listening. Don't just ask, but actually take in what you hear. As hard as it may be, being obedient is, is, the, is the, the best thing that you can do.
0: Well, I think a lot of people probably don't know that it is, god speaking to them Mm. that it is like you know their true self speaking to them they're probably like oh this doesn't sound right you know because sometimes it doesn't make sense you know it's totally different like you said uh dallas and houston rival cities you know Mm. like why would i why would i go there you know and you're you're listening to it but you're like "Mm, i don't think that's what i'm really supposed to do so you're doubting it because it doesn't sound like what you your ego self right. would really want to do. So it's about like really trusting your true self and like letting God guide you instead of you being like no, I got this and like you said you go through more when you don't listen. Yeah, you, you know, don't listen. You stay in situations, relationships, jobs too long and you suffer more because you're not listening the first time you're not listening to say the red flags. You're not yeah. listening at all. So then you stay and then like worse things happen. But to your point and even my point, like worse things happen, but it still births something beautiful because yeah. it becomes a testimony and we're able to share that testimony with others and help others. And that's what you're doing now. So it, it actually, you know, worked out perfectly Perfect. always yeah. on his time. But you just gotta get there. You got to meet him there. You gotta get there. You gotta get there. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get there. Uh, let's talk about your story of domestic violence. And I read on one of your posts on social media that it actually you left 11 times. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about, about that. Like, what was the struggle in, in leaving? What made you return? Because one question that we all can't stand is, well, why didn't you just leave? It's like, listen, we try. Mm-hmm. We try. Mm-hmm. So let me know. About that that push and pull of the eleven times and what was the final straw?
1: So I think for me, um, when we met, we were uh, fourteen and fifteen years old. Okay, uh, his dad was abusive to his mom. My mom was being abused by my stepfather, so we trauma bonded, and um, we bonded on uh, so many different things. And it was such a deep trauma bond that we we had this this idea in our head that we did not want to, no matter what it was, create this family dynamic that we saw with our families you know we didn't want to repeat the cycle but we didn't have the tools on not on how not to do so so we repeated the learned behavior and so for most of the time I feel like both of us that you know felt like well shoot I can help her where I can help him because one thing I will say, um, I was not in the typical domestic violence relationship. As I said, uh, we trauma bonded. And so I was aggressive at some point And so was he, uh, there were times where he would do stuff and it would just literally infuriate me. And because I was so tired of being abused, I fought back, you know? And so it wasn't a matter of You know, him being abusive, I never did anything. But there were times where we literally um, were at each other. And I understood the dynamic of our relationship a little different now. I didn't understand it then. I always saw it as he's just... So angry all the time. He's so abusive, just all of these things. But then I attributed to the fact that, well, his dad was like that, you know, and right. my stepdad was like that. And and my mom stayed with my stepdad uh, well after he stopped the abuse. And so in my head, okay, well, as long as he stops the abuse after a while, then you're good. You know, y'all went it'll get better. Patch. It'll get better. You know, it's, it went through the rough patch, but we weren't married yet. Uh, and so I, I had in my head that I had to be able to help him. You know, we he doesn't want to be like this. So I, whatever I can do to help him, um, then that's what I would do. Only I was more determined to to to, to get the help. I wanted the counseling. I wanted to um, break the habits. I wanted to do things, and he wasn't interested in me. And so uh, one of the final uh, the final straws for me was we'll uh, go back to uh, the several times where I left. I, I I am a a holiday girl. I love holidays. I love birthdays. Those are my things, especially for my girls. I go all out for their birthdays and I just, I love um, hosting, you know, for, for the holidays. Y'all come to my house, y'all, you know, bring food or I'll cook. You know, I, I just love um, the company of people, especially my family. And so um, I began to hate holidays because every single holiday, it seemed like you picked a fight or we got into it. Or it was just like, good Lord, like what is happening? Like everything that I'm starting to enjoy is now being uh, covered up by this trauma. And by this, this pain that I keep experiencing, I don't like this, you know? And so I started to notice that was the first time that I left what was, was like, okay, it was Thanksgiving and called the police um, and the police officer, because I had made a call before only booked him on a traffic warning. He was back at my house that night.
0: Oh my God. And so
1: um, it was like, okay, well, um, so the police are not going to really do anything because they feel like, oh, well, you've called several times. So you don't really want him to leave, um, that type of situation. And so there were several factors that played into me continuing to go back and come and, and, and do all the things and stay for a little bit. And okay, well, you don't have anywhere to stay. I don't want you to be homeless so you can come back home. All of those things that played, into, played in my head because we we have emotions you know, attached to these people we love these people, these abusers. Um, and I won't just say, I won't say men because women are abusive too. Um, right. so we have things that are connecting us and that are trauma bonding us closer, or we are codependent on that we don't necessarily recognize at the time. And so my final straw for me was when I was in a, um, after leaving it may have been after the 10th time around, I guess the 10th time, because of the 11th time, um, I actually it was the time that I moved, but we were arguing about something and I couldn't even remember exactly what it was. And normally, most of the time, you can't remember what the arguments were. You can't remember exactly who, the details of who said what, how did it. You don't remember all right. of it. Right. Um, so I remember that we were just arguing and the gaps that I remember, I blacked out. And I remember just hearing him wake, like shaking me, like mm-hmm. wake up crying over me because he thought I was dead. Um, okay. And so but I could still hear it. Um, my eyes were closed and I just laid. There. I was going to wake up and do I, I just laid there um, because I wanted him to understand that This is what could have happened to me. But while laying there, the Lord came to me again and said, when are you going to be obedient? When mm. are you going to trust that I have your best interest at heart? Think about your babies that are in the other room. I have four daughters now, but I had three daughters at the time. Think about your children that are in, in, in the other room. And so I literally it was a wake up moment for me because um, it was almost like, okay, he could have killed me, you know, and then what about my children, especially my family, not knowing the details. My grandfather is a pastor. And so um, he's a pastor, but he bears arms. Okay, and so Mm -hmm. I did not want to. (laughs) Listen, I did not want you know you to, to do anything to him. You know, I, I got right. like this. It's okay, you know, type of thing. And so I didn't want to involve my family, and so I suffered in silence most of the relationship. And so when the time after that, uh, time after this argument, um, he came. To, we had separated, and he came to my house uh, so he could pick up the rest of his things. And I was just so tired, and so I took a bottle of pills, 12:00 uh, p.m., and I drank some wine, and I was getting ready to go to sleep. And so he came in, and I was literally, literally, get. He was still there. But he uh, came into the bathroom and I was getting ready to take some more. He was like, this bottle was full. Like, how much did you take? And I was like, don't worry about it. Like, just, you know, leave me alone. I was just out of this space. After I took some more pills, he starts wrestling me, trying to get the rest of them out of my hand. Um, and so my best friend comes in because she was living with me at the time and, is you know, thinks that he's abusing me and runs and is like, what is going on? What is going on? He's like, she took a bunch of pills, you know, all of this, um, mm-hmm. a suicide attempt. And so right. uh, I was at a place where, of course, after that, uh, um, fast forward, I moved, went to the hospital and put me in a psych ward. And I was in a psych hospital for a week and a half. When you attempt suicide, oh, that is what, you know, has to happen. And so I'm sitting and I'm like, no, it's OK. Like, you know, I don't need to be in a psych hospital. You know, I'm, I'm OK. And so while being in the psych hospital, um, the, the psychiatrist diagnosed me as, ha- as being severely depressed from my childhood um, because I was abused as a child. And then I got abused as an adult going into a domestic violence relationship. And so abuse and trauma and depression, the mental health aspects of it was always something that I dealt with. But I didn't really know um, how to get out of it. I didn't really know how to channel that energy or how to deal with that energy. And so when um, she, she told me that, and she's like, well, this is I'm like, I'm not taking any medicine. OK, that's, that's just not me. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. Um, and she explained the, 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 the magnitude of the trauma that I experienced that I needed to at least try. You know, just try to take some medicine coupled with therapy. And so I began to go to therapy and, and all of these things. And um, it was one of the things that I was like, OK, but I, I got to get away from him because I can't still be in the same city. Right. Then it Popped in my head. I told you, you moved to Dallas. Yep. And so I said, okay, Lord, oh Lord, I'm moving to Dallas. Like just the reality of it. I sat in the reality of it. Um, and then told my family, hey, this is the plan. This this is what we're doing. Um, of course, left the other, the other pieces out, but I was hurting and I was I was going through a lot and I had I was tired of being abused. And so even with three children trying to commit suicide was a huge red flag because it's like sis.
0: Yeah, you're not, you're not even
1: ready to, you can't even live for your children. He's not worth that. He, like right. he's, he's not worth it, and so what can you do in order to get to a, to a place? Number one, most of the time when we're going through what we're going through, God gives us signs. You keep hearing signs. You keep hearing this. There there's red flags that you continue to ignore. You gotta start listening to them. And so for me, it was making sure that I not only listened to um, what God was telling me because I was consistently fasting and praying. He's going to give me an answer, but you got to listen yeah. to it. Um, listen but then also it. making sure that my mental health was good. We don't care about our mental health enough. We don't we don't think that that's important enough. And so making the the, the, the final decision after that, uh, the final straw was was me realizing that my mental health is more important than this than this relationship. That my mental yeah. health comes first before him, you know, and I and I have to put that first because if I'm not able to, then I can't give to my children. I can't give to anybody else
0: oh girl so much there so much <laughs> so much so much there and so much that I identify with first of all with the cops acting like they don't care uh-huh. it's like oh like she's just going to go back you know I call the cops before and it they, just the way I just remember the body language too just one cop just leaning on the wall kind of like all right you know and, <laughs> right and it's just like they just don't care and And that's what I literally thought in my head while they were talking to me. I'm like, they really just don't care. Like, he wasn't there. This was after he showed up to my house unannounced, banging on my door, trying to get in, throwing rocks in my window. I called them because my, like, adrenaline was rushing, had so much anxiety. And when they showed up, of course, he was gone. And they had me call him and break up with him officially. But there, it was like three cops, and they were just sitting there acting like all right well you know if he shows up again call us again I'm like what, <laughs> what? And, and, and it's like I was really collecting data for what women go through in yeah. These relationships. yeah because there was another time where he like kind of restrained me I was um in my car and he like took my keys and was yelling at me at the window and I was looking around and people were there but they weren't doing anything I was like this is what women go yeah. through in abusive relationships like no one wants to step in and help my business it's not my business yep. it's crazy so yep. like the fact that, that it's like a thing and um when you were talking about the suicide attempt I didn't get there I was mentally there like I'm going to hurt myself or hurt him right. that's when I knew I have to get out of this relationship were there warnings or what was your mind telling you before you actually took this suicide attempt did you Did you think about it first or it was just one day like you were fed up and you were ready to go?
1: Actually, I feel like I was self-medicating the entire relationship.
0: Um, The Tylenol
1: PM and the wine were my go-to. So he could literally say anything to me and it would trigger me. And um, it was depending on how how bad the trigger was, depending on how I reacted to it. And some things it was just so hard for me to to deal with and hard for me to uh, even process because it was like, it's not supposed to be coming from you. You're not supposed to be doing this. We said that we wouldn't do this to each other. And so it was hard for me to even dissect that we were still going through this particular uh, situation and this actual relationship that I, that we quote unquote really didn't want to be in. I mean, like literally there were times where we sat in our bed and cried, like, why are we doing this to each other? Mm, wow. Bonded to the point to where it was like, well, you said that you weren't going to do this. Okay, so how do we fix this? Or And not actually, you know, having the conversation and having, uh, or talking about it, but none of the tools. Not really knowing exactly, okay, well, we got to get in counseling. We have to get the help that we need, you know, in order to not be triggered. I I didn't recognize any of that until after I came out of it. And not even realizing that I was self-medicating until after it got too bad. And so that's why I do the you good, sis, because it makes people ask those questions every day. Am I good today? How am I feeling today? Like, do I have the capacity to be a wife, to be a mother, to be a sister, to be a friend, to be anything? Like, how am I? How is my mental health today? And if my mental health is not good, then do I need to take a break? Do I need to step back and say, "Sis, I can't help you today. Um, I can't. I'm not cooking today." <laughs> I saw a reel on there that said, "I'm not cooking today. The kitchen is closed." You know, yes. but making sure that we do self care. We say self care so light and we say it like it's just a hashtag, you know. But we have to take care of ourselves because I would go to school, feed the kids, try to walk on it, or make sure that I walk on eggshells not to make make him upset, and then I can't right. last.
0: Right. and so oh, my okay. mental health
1: was never on the forefront it was never first because it was like oh well no i, I don't got time to worry about me i got to worry about my make sure my keys are split and make sure that he don't go off because i cannot deal with right. his, his drama so that's why i'm so i'm so grateful to even be able to have been able to uh after going through therapy and still being in therapy shift my mindset and say okay how was your mental health at that time because we
0: don't talk yeah. about how mental health and domestic violence go hand in hand that's that's a word. I remember um towards the end when I'm doing my affirmations and I know you're all about affirmations too. And I'm like, I am happy in the mirror yes. and just tears rolling down because I did not believe it myself. I knew I, like now I can say I'm happy and I have a big smile on my face. I'm like all joyful and cheerful at the time. It was just tears because I knew I was lying to myself. That was like my mental health check-in. Yeah. And I, I love that you ask, like, just ask yourself daily, are like, you good, sis? And, and see, how are you really feeling? If someone asks you, how are you doing? Pause, take a moment. Hmm, how am I doing? Like earlier today, when I asked you, you good, sis? You're like, yo, I'm struggling. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, in, in me right now, like, I have a slight little headache. I think the bun is too tight, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be good. <laughs> you know, but it's like just checking in and making sure that you are Good. Can you share some of the tools that your therapist shared with you for our audience to heal after an abusive relationship?
1: I think one of the things um, that she wanted me to focus on was just being aware that I was even in it. How long did that take you? It took me a minute because I kept making excuses. Um, it was, oh, uh, well, you know, no, we were both doing this. Or, you know, he broke my phone, and so I broke his phone. Or, I made excuses. And for some reason, I couldn't say domestic violence. I picked this apart with my therapist. I couldn't say it because I know that that's what my mother went through. And it was hard for me to live with the reality that I repeated or walked in her footsteps of, in being in this, knowing that I was trying so hard not to. Not to. So the reality of, of me being in a domestic violence relationship or the reality of me having to accept it was something that I ran from. Um, and so one of the things that she, she had to help me to understand was that Number 1 this was a situation that I was in. Yeah, you left it, you know, and and you can't diminish it, but you got to be able to accept the fullness of what the relationship was in order to in order to get to the root cause of even how it happened, uh to break it apart. We don't want to necessarily dissect the relationships that we come out of because um that's too painful. But we have to be able to dissect and take apart the relationships that we come out of so that we know what not to do in the next relationships. And so she made me journal. The pieces where I journal um of course I have to rearrange and, you know, speak from a a healed place now, but um, are in my book. Uh, Just different parts that I recognized while I was in the relationship, just, um, you know, different things where did this happen or is this something that I made up in my head? Hey, were you protecting yourself or Mm. were you being defensive or, you know, all of those things that we're not really aware of. We just say domestic violence, but getting to um, the actual things that make up a domestic violence relationship. And so um, that was the first thing is number one, being able to be aware and and understand that this is what you what you have been through. um, And this is what you what you have experienced. But it's not the end of it. So the next thing was um, me learning how not to self-sabotage and understanding that I deserved better than um, what was coming to me. When I moved into the transitional living, because I, I started therapy in the shelter and, uh, of course, continued it. But then I had, uh, while I was in the transitional living, I remember sitting and talking with my caseworker and, and, and um, all these good things were happening. I started the company. I would have certain meetings and would sabotage the meetings or not go into the meetings like I know I could confidently because I mm-hmm. felt like, oh, but what if they feel like this? Or what if they see this side of me? Or what if, you know, I had all of these limiting beliefs in my, in my head that stopped me from actually walking fully in it because I was still thinking or hearing those thoughts that I heard in my abusive relationship. So mm-hmm. understanding, number one, that you're in a domestic violence relationship, but then unpacking the things that you sometimes rested so comfortably in while in a domestic violence relationship. So whatever he said, I believed. You know, if he said something negative or whatever, he, you know, verbally abused. And it was like, oh, shoot, maybe I am doing this. Maybe I am this type of person. You know, maybe I, I don't clean up like he do. And if anybody knows me, knows Monet's House is Speak and span. And so even with it being clean, it was still just like certain things where it was like, okay, I'm still, I'm not good enough. You know, he's still complaining about this or he's still. And so that not being good enough went into every other single area of my life, even when good hmm. things were happening. And so I began to self-sabotage and not even knowing, it, I never knew, I'd never heard of self-sabotage before going into this, this therapy session.
0: Yeah. Never
1: heard of it. I never even knew that it was a thing. And so being able to fully walk in um, what I knew I deserved was something that was the hardest thing for me because I always heard, like I said, well, my mom was also verbally abusive. Um, and so sometimes her tones would be condescending or, you know, well, not verbally abusive. She would empower us. She would encourage us. But then some stuff. It's like, well, how you don't know how to do that? We didn't teach us. You didn't, you didn't teach us how to do that, you know, that, You know, and it's, it's different things like that, that I that I had to so different triggers that I had to um, unpack and understand. Um, Even sometimes, too, I think that we don't think about how um, the thoughts that we are thinking or the thoughts that we sometimes meditate on or walk out every single day are not our thoughts. But it's thoughts that we heard as a child or we are conditioned. We're conditioned to hear, oh, well, somebody said this when I was when I was five, so it must be the truth. Somebody said I was too fat or that I ate too much or that I was picky or that I was greedy or that I was too skinny or whatever when I was six. So this must be my truth. This must be my reality. So going back and unpacking those thoughts, whether it's domestic violence or any type of trauma, uh, and, and counteracting them with our positive affirmations that we do every day. And I love that you say that you speak them into the mirror because I have to do that because that's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing to be able to speak to yourself in the mirror and say it. It's different when you, oh, this is my my, my affirmation. I'm going to do this on the way, on the way to work. You know, right. You know, and not intentional about it, but actually taking the time to um, speak to yourself and talk to yourself to so where you actually believe it. Because if you don't believe it, you, it doesn't activate anything. It's just words on a paper.
0: Yep. Yep. I, I have affirmation right here. I love you. You are worthy. <laughs> it's, it's a mirror over there. I have and affirmations everywhere. Okay? Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like over my desk and everything. It yeah. has to be. <laughs> Yeah, because because you have to, like, rewire your your brain because you are you conditioned from your childhood, then you're conditioned while you're in that relationship. So it's like rebuilding that confidence again and knowing that you are enough because it can break you down. They they try to break you down and make you feel like you're not good enough or you're not doing enough. And it's like, okay when because you're here on earth, you are enough and you are valuable and you are worthy, you know? So don't let anyone girls speak down to you and make you feel like you need to keep doing more, keep proving yourself, keep performing for love. No, no, love. Love is beautiful. It's joyful. It's kind. It's, you know, patient. It's all of those beautiful things. It's not, it doesn't hurt Yes. It's not painful. If you feel that way, then I really want you to just reconsider your relationship. Yes. Um, same thing here. I did a lot of journaling afterwards, and it's helped a lot just get my thoughts out and mm-hmm. feelings out. Mm-hmm. So I love that the therapist told you to do some journaling. What do you feel like you um learned about yourself that you now Take into other relationships like I know with me I needed to learn boundaries and we talked about this before we started the podcast I was like what I didn't even know what a boundary was until I got out of that relationship and start like reading a lot and I was like oh I didn't have any of that anything that made me feel uncomfortable I was just quiet about it I never spoke up so uh, talk to me about what you learn from the relationship and and how do you apply it moving forward? I think forward? that's the I think that's one of the hardest parts too is that
1: accountability piece. It's the part where it's like, ooh, sis. Now, I did that. You know, I might have said a few things. I might have, you know, but then it's like, okay, but why? You know, getting to the reason why um you have done or not done certain things in relationships and boundaries honey was one when I tell you just just to go back to my abuser he was just the cutest little thing he had the dimples um every time he smiled honey my heart just melted of course my my high school sweetheart like at 14 15 years old you know that, that kind of love and so there was literally nothing that he could do uh to separate me from him. Absolutely nothing. I mean, knowing that he was abusive still trying on wedding dresses, picking out venues, like literally so wrapped up in this idea of what I thought love was. And mm-hmm. so um me me coming out of the relationship and understanding that I had to hold myself accountable because it wasn't just I was in a domestic violence relationship um and I wasn't doing anything. And there are some people who have experienced that, you know, that that are just uh, one person is abusive but there are a lot of us who come with our trauma too you know and it mm. and it meshes well or it don't mesh you know it meshes together um and sometimes make a makes a bomb um, and the bomb just continues to go Explodes. off yep. and over and over again um because nobody realizes the triggers to set the bombs off and so I had to realize okay number one um there are some things I, I don't um stop people from talking to me any kind of way you know, like like, you know, I, I accepted my mom saying what she said, hollering and cussing or whatever. You know, um, I accepted that when it came to his relationship. It was like, OK, you hollering and cussing, but I'm going to holler and cuss at you back. You know, I'm, I'm going to ret- return that that behavior um, and I'm not going to instead hold you accountable and leave. you. And that's the mm-hmm. difference. We don't we, we sometimes because we have been through uh, the same things, we just mimic what we've seen. And it's like, oh, well, I just did back what you did to me. But it's like, no, like the the healthy part of that comes where we we recognize the fact that it's not healthy. And then we say, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do because um, I have to make sure that I am not repeating this habit. that I'm not repeating this step, that I'm not recreating the exact same thing, especially uh, when it comes to my daughters. You know, I had to make sure that I, that I held myself accountable uh, to what I was doing because I didn't want my children to repeat the same thing uh, because I literally watched my mom go through it. Uh, and so holding myself accountable to being abusive and to holding myself, myself accountable to the, the verbal abuse and being provoked and, and provoking uh, because I was that person, especially if I felt hurt, Or if I felt like you hurt me, then I was going to make sure I hurt you back. Um, And so accepting that reality and like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Like, you know, no, what he did is in response to you was not okay, but you still had a role in it. And that's the thing that we uh, sometimes don't want to accept because it's like, well, you know, he hit me. Okay, so what happened? And it's not that we're asking what happened because it was your fault that he hit you, but what happened, what transpired so that you can dig up what happened so that you can make sure that you may, you are not triggering him. You know, you could right. be, you could be literally triggered. That's why I said, when you've been, both of you guys have been through trauma, uh, we triggered each other. And so without yep. the tools, without the help, if you don't uh, unpack the, okay, I was wrong. I shouldn't have cursed you back out when you cursed me out. I should have built (laughs) you, you know. It's it's just so
0: hard. It is so hard when you're, like, in in that situation. But it's like, sis, it's going to make it worse. Like, dude's yelling, but I'm still at this space. Like, I'm calm so that it doesn't escalate anymore, you know, and, but, it's like that takes a certain strength because, you know, if, if someone keeps yelling and, and if they're cursing at you too, then I can only imagine someone wanting to react yes. and just to protect yourself and, and save yourself, you know, and let that person know, like, no, you know, listened to me like right. that. And then right. just going back and forth and it just doesn't make anything better. So at one point, it's like some people feel like it might be weak to just walk away, but it's like, know what you need. Like I'm the type, I need a moment to calm down. If, yeah. if I'm feeling some type of way, give me, give me a minute, you know, let me process this. And then I could come back and we can talk when we're both calm and chill and we can get things resolved better yeah. that way. And Instead that's key of, too.
1: That, that is key too. I, I even noticed in in a relationship that I, the relationship that I went in right after that, because I didn't want to argue, it was okay. I don't want, I don't want to talk right now. Like, give me a second. Like, let me not talk about it because I need to process what I'm going to say, because I don't want to, as I always say in my book, bleed on other people. I'm not going to bleed on the person that didn't hurt me. And so so that I don't take what you just said, even though what you said triggered me. You don't know that that triggered me. So the only way that sometimes that we know that they're triggered is is the the uh, defense or the the attack that happens afterwards. So I didn't want to attack. And so I would say, OK, I need a minute. And sometimes we be like, no, we need to talk about this now. No. I need a minute for your best interest. We need a minute (laughs) for your best interest. We need to walk away and and have a kind of bit. I noticed that that too, you know, me being able to stop and pause and process responding versus reacting, because when you take a moment and respond, um, then you're able to process things better versus just, Oh, that's an attack. Let me immediately react to you. And it's like, no, it's not an attack. Because even just learning how um, when somebody actually loves you, they are going to hold you accountable. They are going to correct you when you're wrong. And sometimes that may come across as attack. They may come across as you criticizing me um, or not understanding how this is what I've been through. So this is why I am. And it's like, yeah, that's what you that's what you've been through. This is why. But at the same time, you can't do this to people. And so um, I've just learned that uh, being able to actually process what somebody is saying, not versus what I think they're saying, um, actually hearing the words that they're saying and then being able to say, okay, yeah, just give me a second. Just let me. Let me process exactly what you're saying, and then we go. We will reconvene in
0: an hour, or you know, yeah, yeah. Me. Give me my minute. Um, but that also comes from a healed space. Yes. You know, the fact that you can decipher, like, okay, is this person being condescending or is this person helping me? You know what I mean? So it comes from a healed space because otherwise, we're just going to take everything as an attack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. if if you haven't done the work. So I'm so happy for you that you've done the work. So you have four girls. What? Are you teaching them on what to look out for when it comes to relationships? Like, how are you building their confidence and their self-love so that they do not attract that type of partner? That
1: is a really good question because we just
0: watched the movie Enough,
1: okay? And that is my favorite movie um, because it is classic domestic violence. Um, but it also shows her kicking his behind and eventually yep. killing him. Okay. Um, and I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Uh, you know, maybe not the piece of him dying, but listen, right? it's got to be you over me. It's got to be you. Um, yes. because she
0: fought back. She had she enough fought
1: back and not. And, and so, um, it was a mom, And it made me think, what am I teaching my babies? You know, I pour into the world. I pour into Instagram. I pour into clubhouse. Like, am I teaching my babies? Literally tools, and not just saying, "Hey, don't go this type of relationship." And so it did my heart so good, girl, because I got on there and we started watching it. And my oldest baby said, "Oh, mama, he's narcissistic." I said, "Yes, he is. Yes, Yes, he is." And so you You know the term, sis. Yes. Listen. So she was able to recognize um, just the part where you know what he the initial part of him of trying to be controlling about the house or something like that, that she noticed that um he was narcissistic. And so I paused and said, well, what is a narcissist to you? Like, you know, we began to have dialogue and have conversation about that. Awesome. Stuff that we would have never, I've never had, you know, in my family that um I feel like in our generation, we don't, we don't ever talk about. So I have the hard conversations with my children. I have the conversations where I really want to pick their brain and understand where they're coming from or, or their mindset about certain things. Because if we don't, then TikTok and Instagram and, and school and everybody else, puts that in their heads yep. and then they're able to form it from what they're saying versus what your truth and what your reality is, or excuse me, what's your, what's your belief systems are, you know, in your household. So we have to be able to, to, narr- to, to, um, narrate the conversations and have it to, to what we want it to be. So having that conversation and even just watching that, th- watching them, um, her go through the entire thing. And I, I made sure that they, that they paid attention to the parts where the, um, trainer taught her mentally, because at one point she broke and she was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. She called and, he, and her guard was down and he tried to kill her. And mm-hmm. so mentally she had to be strong enough to even go into the house to fight him. And so I wanted my girls, to, I mean, I pointed that out to them, like making sure that you are aware that, um, especially when you've been through any type of trauma and they have been in therapy um, since we left the shelter and will continue to be in our return. This is the rule of the house until you graduate uh, or move out of here. Um, and I pray that you continue it as an adult because they have to unlearn the trauma that they lived in. They have to unlearn that as a child, as a child, um, as no matter how many conversations that I have with them, they still have to unpack the things that they experienced as a child. And so, uh, being in therapy and and making sure that, um, or continuing to be in therapy and making sure that we have the conversations, even when it seems like, Ooh, mama, we tired of talking about this. I know sis, but listen. Okay. It's going to help you one day. It's going to help you one day. Um, Being able for them to be able to express their emotions. You know, mama, you hurt my feelings when you said this. And being able to deal with
0: what they bring
1: to you. You know, like, mama, you shouldn't have said this to me. Okay, now wait. Now what did I say? You know, and and actually listening to what they're saying, validating their feelings and their emotions. Because when we validate it, they don't look for it anywhere else. When we validate Mm -hmm. how they feel, when we say, yes, this is, you are right. This is how you feel. Um, I apologize. How can we correct this behavior? But I've even implemented with my children because I I, I was also triggered um, at a particular time where I would tell my children, you know, hey, come and talk to me. Like, y'all can talk to me whenever you need to. And I'm sure, you know, all mothers say that. Like, I want you to come and talk to me. But when they come and talk to you, they can't come and talk to you. You know, you, you react in the wrong way or you screaming, or you're upset or you go off the handle. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, I'm not going to talk to her. You know, I was that way with my mom. And so, okay, well, I recognize that that is something this this And they were, they were maybe like really young, like maybe four or five years old. And I remember just responding like, oh, like, no, I don't want you to do that, you know? And so, okay, well, this is what we do. I created a bucket um, and they write, it on, they write it down. So if we need to write each other notes and I'll write you back, or I'll come to you, if I know that I'm okay with talking about it, then I'll come to you and speak to you and say, okay, hey, listen, let's talk about this. But if I know that it's potentially that I might, um, be triggered because I don't want you to do this and I'm being a protective mommy then I'll write you. That way I can erase it, ball it up, throw it in the trash you know and actually right, write yeah. out and be intentional about what I'm saying Versus because words you can't take back. And so I created that like I want y'all to be able to talk to somebody which is why I make sure that therapy is also important and that it'll never leave um, because even if you can't come to me and talk to me, talk to a therapist, talk to somebody who can help you because I wanted to unmantle the part where we have in this, in, in this, in the black community, what goes in this house stays in this house, not in this house. Okay. Not in this mm-hmm. house. Cause we don't have anything to cover up. I want
0: healing to happen. That's so good that you're breaking those. That generational Listen. trauma, you know, you're you're doing the work and you're helping your daughters do the work early, like starting therapy early, which is amazing, you know, because in a black community, you know, we mm-hmm. can like, give it to God, pray no about way. it, but it's like
1: Jesus and therapy go together.
0: <laughs> yeah, I need to talk to someone else about it and get and really get those tools. So I commend you for that. Um, go girl. And your book, You Good Sis, because we're gonna wrap it up in a second. But yes. you know, you got your book, you started cosmetic line, you're helping other women. Talk to me about like at least one takeaway you want people to get from reading your book, You Good Sis. So You
1: Good derives from, um, as I said, being in a domestic violence relationship and going through child abuse and suffering in silence. Um, and a lot of us suffer in silence, uh, silence. A lot of us go through a lot of things that people, you know, sometimes we might take to our grade that people never know that we've gone through um, and it affects our mental health. And so when I wrote, um, even created the title, um, I had no idea that this was going to be the name of my book. When the Lord told me the to name, down, so I'm like, that don't even make sense. You know, that makes absolutely no sense. You know, what what does that mean? Um, and then it began to help me to process how uh, when I was going through child abuse and uh, as as a child, and somebody would just say, "Are you okay? Like, do you need anything?" And it was like, "Oh, okay. Well, you care that I'm I'm hurting, that I'm going through what I'm going through, that I'm." experiencing what I'm, okay, so no, I'm not okay. Let me tell you, can you listen? Yes. You know, do you have few yeah. minutes, you know, to talk when people would ask, am I okay? I wanted to say, no, I'm not okay. Like, but I couldn't, you know, and I couldn't actually share. I couldn't actually go through, talk about what I was, what I was experiencing uh, because of CPS being involved or because of all of the things. And so um, I wanted to be able to extend that to people, to, to the strong friends, especially who are always encouraging the sister, who are always, um, hey sis, how are you? I'm good, how are you? No, I'm all right. We we're gonna check on you. And they really hurt on the inside. They're really, yeah. you know, going through. Um, even my one of my best friends told me um that she didn't even know that I was really going through the depth of what I was going through because most of the time when she called me, I was always asking her how she was doing. You know, mm-hmm. how are you doing? How are you processing? What are you dealing with? Um, and I would keep all my stuff to myself because that's what I was conditioned to do. I was conditioned to just suck it up and deal with it, especially being at the oldest child. Um, I had a lot of weight on my shoulders. Uh, And so then the other idea of that is being able to ask myself, am I good today? You know, sis, are you good? You know, or do you have the uh, capacity to to give to um, another person today? How is your mental health? Um, Are there some things that you need to kind of implement in order to help your mental health be in a uh, a better uh, um, mental health space? Um, And then recognizing those flags, recognizing when you're not good, recognizing um, that it's okay not to be okay, um, but then not staying there, not staying in the place where you feel like, um, oh my God, this happened to me. And oh my God, you know, I, I, I have learned how to come from a uh, victim to survivor to advocate. And sometimes we have to get out of the, the, the mentality of a victim, which sometimes it feels so good to stay a victim and oh, oppo me. Um, but at one point, at some point it has to say, yes, this happened to me. What am I going to do about it? You know, and if I if I don't choose to um, ab- embrace that part of it, then I, in turn, will allow the next generation of, of my family or my friends to experience the same thing. Um, and so just creating that community and being able to ask that sis and ask that friend um, that you're always talking to, like, hey, are you good? And like, seriously, no, tell me, are you good? Like, be honest with me. Um, and not necessarily just, you know, trying to probe into their business, but um, just sending a text message every now and then, you know, hey, I'm here if you need me. I'm here to support you, you know, because some people may not feel like or feel comfortable, you know, expressing how they're Mm -hmm. feeling. But just sometimes sometimes knowing that you're there, sometimes knowing that, hey, I'm here for you if you need me, um, goes a long way, especially for people that suffer in silence. So making sure that you're able to, uh, number one, check on your strong friend and and create that community around that, uh, which is why we do the ULIS as mental health check-in on um, Clubhouse, um, but then also being able to check in with yourself to make sure that you're good because you cannot give uh, from an empty cup. And, and, and if you do, then it's probably running on fumes. Um, and so make <laughs> that you are um, giving from a full place and giving from a place where you have enough to be able to pour out from the overflow. So um, that, that, that would be the main thing is being more aware about how you are and how the people around you are.
0: Yeah, check in on your mental health girls. It is so crucial. Uh Monet, you have been a pleasure to talk to. I feel like I could just talk to you for hours. Like yes. just one of my girls, you know, we just chop it up like like we were doing beforehand. We like, wait, we just okay, the show. <laughs> But um, it, it's been a pleasure having you on. Let's definitely keep in touch. Yes. And I want to say you go girl for everything that you're doing. Tell people how they can buy your book, how they can follow you on social media so that they can get some more of this like wisdom.
1: So they can buy my book at blrcosmetics.com where they can also purchase the BLR lipsticks. The, um, I started my cosmetics line while I was in a domestic violence shelter. And so we give a portion of our proceeds back to survivors of domestic violence. And so when you purchase directly from me, um, you're able to actually give back a portion of our proceeds uh, to other survivors who are in need. Um, so you can get my book and the lipsticks on the same website and um, on social media. I am most speaks. And then I also have BLR cosmetics on uh, on Instagram and we do a mental health check in every every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 1130 Central Standard Time um, on Clubhouse. Uh, And it's literally just a a safe space for women to come and be vulnerable and share their experiences. We have licensed therapists and and relationship experts that are normally on stage um, that are able to give you advice and pour into you. And then if we're not able to pour into you, then we give you resources and um, accountability and encouragement. Um, you literally just never know what you get in the room. You know, you, you might be crying, it might be crying, maybe worse. it might be praying that we might be ready to pull up, you know, and, and support you in that in that regard, too. So um, those are those are how you can read, uh, how you can uh, reach me. My book is also on Amazon and then Barnes and Nobles as well.
0: Monet, congratulations on everything. Like ain't nothing about a go girl is not about me at all. Like I'm bringing wonderful women like you on to my podcast to share your stories for other women. Like this ain't got nothing to do with me. You know what I'm saying? And us like letting other women know that you're not alone and there's a way to get out and there's a way to thrive and there's a way to be successful after it. And there's a way to trust yourself again, to have healthy love again, to be mentally stable again, like There it, This is not about me at all. You, this, this is not about you at all, but we are definitely helping other women. And so this has been wonderful. And thank you so much, Monet. Like, go girl for everything that you're doing, for sharing your story, for having that courage and being brave enough and finally listening to yourself so that you can help other women so that you can help yourself that you can help your daughters it's beautiful to see so congratulations on everything and I just want to say go girl thank you so much for having me I have enjoyed
1: our conversation definitely
0: thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the go girl podcast please subscribe rate and leave a review and be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends